0: Mission Impossible. That's the title for this morning, Mission Impossible. Don't you remember what Keith brought to us last week. There were two particular individuals within last Sunday morning's sermon. One was a baker and the other one was a cup bearer. And last week we had a cupbearer who was in prison and we are told he was sad and dejected. And this week we have another cupbearer, Nehemiah, who was sad and very much afraid. Nehemiah was a Jew and a Jew being a cupbearer to Artaxerxes or the king or any king. How could this happen how could a Jew have found himself in that position quite an important position well we need to remember that our God is a great big God he's a God of the impossible and God had his hand in getting Nehemiah into this position The situation at this time is that the Jews are being held in captivity. And and whilst we all feel we know that, sometimes we just forget that they've been in this situation for about four or five generations. And the poorer people were having a hard time. But many of the Jews were actually doing quite well. They were reasonably happy in Babylon. But they were still captive and their release seemed impossible. And the situation in Jerusalem made any rebuilding of the city and the walls most unlikely. But you see, it's in these situations where God acts. Nehemiah wasn't a prophet or a priest, he didn't even have a dramatic call from God to do something like Moses or Gideon. He was just an ordinary man going about his business, although his business was quite an important job. And while he was going about his business, he heard about the need for rebuilding the walls that once surrounded the city. Why the people were discouraged and needed some support and leadership. And it broke Nehemiah's heart. If we look in verse 2 of our reading there this morning. When I can find it. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. The king noticed this. And we read that Nehemiah wept, mourned, fasted and prayed. Last Sunday, I happened to be up on the sound desk and I was still wrestling with the key thoughts for this morning. When Keith brought some information about the situation with our youth and children's work. Joy at one level, but a real concern at another. Just to recap, and for those who were not present last Sunday, we need to give thanks for the number of children we have coming onto the premises. Over 40 came to Messy Church, the last Messy Church. All the groups have grown over the period, mainly, but not solely, due to Danny's wide involvement into linking everything. Link's with all groups and the schools. Parents are talking about what goes on here and encouraging other parents to bring their children along. It's so exciting. But if we're to continue this work in the autumn, we all need to see what we can do as more staff are needed. Does it sadden us when we realise we may well have to turn a number of these children away in the autumn? Did the problem that we heard about break our heart as the problem Nehemiah found out about broke his? Did we, like Nehemiah, begin to weep and pray over the problem? Do we see any solution impossible? Nehemiah saw a problem and was distressed. And instead of complaining and discussing the situation with those round about him, he took action. He knew that God wanted him to motivate the Jews to rebuild Jerusalem's walls. So he left a responsible position in the Persian government to do what God wanted. Nehemiah knew that God could use his talents to get the job done. Everyone knew who was in charge. When he got going, Nehemiah did the right things. He planned, he organised, he managed, he supervised, he encouraged. And even when he encountered opposition, he kept going until the walls were completed. Are we going to be able to do that in the life of the church, in whatever area of work we're involved in? Yes, Nehemiah was a man of action. But we also see that one of the major themes that emerges from this book is Nehemiah is also a man of action prayer. He's a man of prayer. The two went side by side. The book opens and closes with prayer. There are 12 prayers recorded in the book. Eight of these are spontaneous prayers. When the situation arose, we read, Nehemiah prayed. Look at verse 4 and 5. The king said to me, what is it you want? And the next line says, and Nehemiah replied. No, it doesn't say that. Nehemiah didn't reply at that point. It says, then I prayed to God of heaven and answered the king. Nehemiah realised you could achieve, achieve nothing until you prayed. Alan Redpath, the evangelist and author, said, "There's too much work, there's, there, there is too much working before men and too little waiting before God. There's too much working before men and too little waiting before god nehemiah hears about this impossible situation he's downcast but he's not defeated and we need to remember that every miracle performed in the bible started out with a problem as one preacher said jesus just didn't do miracles to make good things better he did miracles to make bad things good he righted wrongs and fixed Broken things. If I'm quoting the preacher, that's what he said. I would have said, and fixed broken lives. Nehemiah made use of the situation he was in. He had the ear of the king, God had placed him there. And I, when, I, when you read this, it's, it's interesting to see that he seemed to just keep asking. Can I go? Can I have time? Oh, can I take some of this? Or oh, will you do this? Will you send a letter? He didn't just ask one thing and then run. He knew that God had this plan and he wanted to fulfil it. In Matthew 19, 26, we read, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Nehemiah's reaction, like most of us, was sadness and dejection when he found out what was happening. You know what it's like? We hear people saying, well, if only somebody, whoever all these somebodies are, if only somebody will do that. If only the government weren't doing this. What the church needs is this. It was a breath of air a few weeks ago now when they were interviewing residents of Grenville Tower yes, that's a very sad situation. But they were interviewing a number, all saying, well, nothing's been done, we can't be doing this, this is happening. And it was a breath of air to hear one resident say, I'm still living in a hotel room, but they're doing all they can. They are trying hard to get us all settled. Sometimes we just need to reflect on what is actually happening. Well, Nehemiah's response was to pray and do. He prayed, fasted, and offered up spontaneous prayers. And he wasn't afraid to admit his fear, but he refused to allow his fear to stop him doing what God had called him to do. It said there's probably two reasons for his fear when the king noticed his sadness. First, it was a time of festivity, probably a drinking party. And because Nehemiah looked miserable on such an occasion, he was risking the king's anger. Secondly, he knew that the king had given orders for building work at Jerusalem to be stopped. Read that back in Ezra, chapter 4. So now, he was in a position... To be asking the king to go and if he could go and rebuild them, how was the king going to react to this request? It's interesting to notice in what verse is it? Not quite sure what which verse it is. He he doesn't actually use the word Jerusalem. He doesn't say, "I want to go and build the walls of Jerusalem." Oh, verse. Five there, I think. I answer the king if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Perhaps a careful use of words. Not can I go to Jerusalem? Because he thought perhaps that might raise a question. Well, Nehemiah was in the right place at the right time. He was the right man for the job in hand at that time. Seventy years earlier, Zerubbabel was the right man. He'd managed to build the temple. Ezra was the right person some 13 years previous. He helped the people with their spiritual needs. Now it was Nehemiah's turn to get the walls built. Danny has done his part. Where do we fit in? Nehemiah had a plan, might even call it a mission statement. He was clear what he was trying to achieve, rebuilding the walls. He understood the time scale we read. He said, I set a time. He anticipated the problems and asked the king for protection. Finally, he made sure he had the resources and he committed every detail to God in prayer. Well, sometimes it's easy to start, isn't it? But it's much more difficult to keep going, to persevere. And Nehemiah set out, and the first problem he had was that the walls were in such a state, so bad in places that he's, by the Fountain Gate, his mount couldn't even get through. He had to get off. Then later in the story, he had opposition, hostility and ridicule from Sambala and Tobiah, Geshem, he needed to keep going and he needed to keep praying. Talking earlier this morning, I think, about putting people in boxes. And, and we tend to do that, don't we? This group are the prayers and this group are the doers. Well, it's good that those working in the front line are being supported by those praying in the background behind them. But it's also right that we should be prayers and workers together. I realise that there are those who can't do both necessarily because of age or illness. But where possible, we need to be prayers and workers. At one time, Nehemiah decided to keep half the men on armed guard while the other half worked because things were so difficult. But he always remained in the thick of the work himself. He works alongside his workmen with a trumpet beside him to sound alarm in case of attack. And like Nehemiah, we must go about the task with tools in one hand to do the job, our prayer and scripture, and a weapon in the other. Again, our prayer and scripture. The two come together. There's the tools to work and the weapon Someone once said that Christian life is a sword and trowel exercise. The trowel's doing the work. The sword is our God and our praying to God. Well, prayer and action was Nehemiah. Without doubt, he was one of the most energetic, shrewd, and resourceful of all the Old Testament characters. Despite fierce opposition, he succeeded in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He did it in only 52 days. The main lesson to learn from his life is the importance of speedily referring each decision, each crisis to God in simple, forthright prayer and then working with God and with what God has provided well, we started with Nehemiah being in the right place at the right time, and one thing we can learn from him is that to achieve things, we need to seek support from both God and those round about us. In addition for praying, he asked the king for permission to go to Jerusalem to build the walls. He was neither spiritually sorry he was neither so spiritual that he cried only to God and considered. St- Human help superfluous, nor so super confident in human resources that he considered prayer to God unnecessary. He knew he needed both. He needed to come to God in prayer. Yes, God would give him the strength to go forward, but he couldn't do it all on his own. He needed those round about him to work together to achieve what was required. We need to realise that we are where we are. And if it's where God has placed us, we need to take advantage of the place where God has placed us at this time so mission impossible well with God mission is possible because our God is the God of the impossible he can do more than we can ever imagine we are told I don't know what you imagine. But God can do much more than just a little bit that we can imagine. One final quote, again, from Alan Redpath as it happens. Let us learn this lesson from Nehemiah. You never lighten the load unless first you have felt the pressure in your own soul. You're never used of God to bring blessing until God has opened your eyes and made you see things as they are. Well, is our situation impossible in some areas in the life of the church? Well, nothing is impossible with God. Our mission is possible.